Looking for your next spot out with family or friends? Whether you're on the east side, downtown, in Fitchburg, or at Hilldale, you're sure to enjoy one of Madison's favorite traditions. Great Dane Pub and Brewing Company, Madison's home for craft beer and pub food since 1994. Are you ready for the Thursday Night Drive? This is Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. With former Badgers Rose Bowl champions Tarek Sala and Derek Engler, here's Jim Rutledge. Welcome into Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. It is the first show of the season, and right in fashion, Tark, Sala, Derek Engler, my regular co-host, then show up. They cannot make it. They're prior commitments for their own show. We think the longest-running show in ESPN Madison history, and they don't even show up for it. But that's all right. We have a more accomplished uh, co-host today uh, in Monte Ball, former Badgers running back. Now, Tark Sala is the all-time leader in sacks in UW history, Monte. And what uh, what records uh, do you hold? Or what's kind of your resume here? Because that's all Tark's got going for him. Why don't you lay out the resume for, for our fans? Uh, the refresher here. We'll let you humble brag some. Okay, okay. First off, I appreciate uh, you guys bringing me here. This is awesome. This is pretty cool stuff. But uh, the resume, huh? Yeah. Uh, um it's, it's 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 tough. Uh, so we got obviously Heisman finalist. Yep. We got touchdown leader. Yeah, you know, put an asterisk next to the quarterback in Navy that beat me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I like know, it. Yeah, know. no, absolutely. Um, yeah. But obviously, uh, you know, Big Ten player, uh, offensive player yeah. of the year. I think two times all all American, um, Archie Dane Award yeah. two times. It, yeah. I, I I played with some really great guys. You that did. That really helped me. Yeah, yeah. But you also did a little bit more than Tark and Derek. But that's all right. I, mean, I got I got to give them a little bit of a hard time if they're gonna shortchange uh, uh, today. But no, we got a lot to get into. And again, we're having a great time here at uh, Metro Key of Madison, home of the twenty-year, two hundred thousand mile warranty. Uh, Madison's trusted Kia dealer, and we're also enjoying some uh, Pizza Pit Pizza we ordered from the one in Sun Prairie, uh, having a good time with that. And uh, we got this show running really through the football season, so uh, buckle up, football season is here. Now, Monte, I want to get to Badger football and talk about you know the, the things going on on the field, but there's so much going on uh, in the Big Ten uh, with the Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC Alliance, but even before that, I got you know you're a smart business guy. You got a you got a book out. You've been in other business ventures here, but I have to I have to ask you: Is there? It's not. I wouldn't say bitterness or regret, but like, where? What is your mindset right now with the name and likeness out there for a lot of these athletes? You came back obviously for an extra year at Wisconsin yeah. and, and could have gone pro earlier, and that would have obviously set yourself up name and likeness wise unquestionably for a massive year. So, what's kind of your your thought process on it? Do you think it's a good idea for the kids? Uh, first of all, I do think it's a good idea, but I, I <clears throat> in the same breath, I think that these athletic departments really need to focus on you know who are these kids talking to when it comes to finances. I mean, yep. we're talking eighteen, nineteen years old. Uh, most adults are still struggling with how to manage their finances. So we're talking kids at 18, 19 getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. So how are these athletic programs 
you know, helping these kids manage that. Uh, but with that said, absolutely, this this needed to be done. I'm I'm a fan of it, obviously, um, and I think that there just needs to be some wraparound care dealing with the finances for these student-athletes. That's a great point. I want to dig a little bit deeper into that, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. We're going to have Angler call in. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to him a little about that. Maybe he can join us next segment here. But uh, that is a big concern I have. And I, I do a show with Pat Richter every Wednesday, and he's been pretty open with his disappointment in the NCAA, that the NCAA slow-played this, tried to avoid it, didn't want any part of it, and, and really just kept on pushing it off and off and off until finally it was just too late, and... Now this has happened, and you're right. Like maybe, look, maybe someone like Graham Mertz has enough of a support system where mm-hmm. he won't be taken advantage of. But what about the the high school kid? Uh, and Monte, I'm sure you know you probably had a support system that can help take. But what about the high school kid who maybe doesn't have uh, family that's around to help or give insight or has no insight into what taxes might look like or what a good deal looks like? Exactly. All these different things. Uh, I do think Madison is a nice community where I don't. I don't think any businesses would be uh, dumb enough to try to take advantage right. of, a, of a student athlete. That'd be bad PR for them. But at the same time, there's still things that the student athlete might not know uh, as far as good deals. Do I pay? Do I have to pay on things that are given to me? Do I pay on things that are trade? Do I have to pay tax on that? Those are all different questions that uh, I'm, I'm sure that even uh, your time professionally, you know, probably popped up from time to time. Of course, yeah, and I think. I think it's important, and and that's the first thing that always pops in my head when we talk about you know name, likeness, all that jazz. You know, now the student athletes can get paid. How are you guys taking care of them? How are you helping them when it comes to Uncle Sam? <laughs> yeah, no, and look, it's uh, Uncle Sam is hard for the regular us regular folks to figure out, let alone uh, the, the the athletes there. But well, I did see what the the Badger offensive line has some sort of. Uh, Deal with uh, you know Joe Thomas's, so you feel safe with that. The uh, now all of a sudden I forget the the name of his barbecue place um, here, but what is that place called? Mission Barbecue. Mission. Uh, so they got that going on with with Joe. Uh, I saw some recruits are getting some deals. Obviously, uh, <laughs> Graham Mertz is kind of doing his own thing with the logo. That's probably a smart way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably something that could have uh, you know you could have had some success with as far as having. <laughs> Uh, that that run for the Heisman and, and all that kind of stuff out there as well, but it wasn't just you on that team. I mean, exactly. It was you know Russell. I mean, there was a lot of players. Abadaris. There's a lot of guys on that team that could have made some money. Mm-hmm. One of the things that pops up that I'm curious to get your take on is that obviously that team was loaded, but there were there were haves and have nots, and this was the concern with you know paying players from like the actual college side of it was like, well, what happens if so and so realizes player X makes. Twenty thousand yes. dollars a year. How does that affect the college football locker room? And from the outside looking in, I, I kind of said at this point, when you're playing Big Ten, Power Five college football, you kind of understand that not everything's equal to begin with. But dollar still is different than than hype. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's funny that you bring that up because that's also what I talk to when I talk to my parents about. It. I'm like, you know, how is this going to impact the camaraderie, yeah. the locker room? You know, you got the quarterback rolling in on, in a Rolls Royce yeah. while everybody else is on their mopeds. Right, right. How is that going to to work? So that's why I always say this wraparound care, not only the finances, but who is the the player personnel person? You know, to to to, to handle that stuff. You know, make sure that this person has all the tools to make sure that this team stays intact. And, you know, there was uh, on that point, I want to get to as there's this new era of recruiting. And how do you, I mean, is there, I'm, I'm curious how this is going to break out as far as recruitments coming in mm-hmm. with, with players of, 
does Alabama have a built-in advantage? Does USC? And I go back and forth on this because, let's be honest, they've already had a built-in advantage, whether they were paying the players or the fact that it's Alabama. And the Badgers really have never, even now as they're recruiting better, they're not plucking guys who are Alabama rec- mm-hmm. you know, starter recruits. They might have plucked a guy who was considering Alabama and they would have been maybe the third stringer and worked their way up. So I, I, I don't want to be uh, flippant about it, but it's not like the Badgers were competing for USC, Bama, or, or Georgia type recruits to begin with, so I don't think it's going to have a negative effect for them. Right, I hope not, but that is a question. Yeah. That is a question, where the recruit's going to go now. Is one team going to get all the recruits, or is one conference going to get all the recruits um, based on certain markets? Let's be honest. you got USC. you got down there in L.A. It's a massive market. And, you know, you, you got these teams that are playing in these big markets, Chicago, that being Northwestern nearby. I mean, Hopefully we don't see recruits taking off and sticking with one school, sticking with one conference. And, you know, with that part of it, uh, the other interesting thing is there was uh, an article in The Athletic uh, that kind of talked about Wisconsin's recruitment overall. And one of it was I wanted to ask about your your visits to Wisconsin because uh, the interview was with a uh, former Wisconsin and the director of player personnel that went over to Michigan State. And it was a good interview. It was, uh, it was probably sour grapes in some of it, but okay. uh, he had the opportunity to leave, so it wasn't like he was forced out. He just ended up taking a different job. But one of the things he said was a positive for schools in the Big Ten was this new early commitment stage because you can get these kids to Madison for their recruitment, vi- uh, recruitment visits uh, in July, in June, like when it's beautiful up here in August, and he said it's some of the problems in the past that when players are committing uh, and when they're taking some of their visits, it might not be until November, December, and it's freezing cold, <laughs> and it's hard to get a kid from Florida to really consider uh, Wisconsin. So I wanted. To, like, when was your visit? How did that go when you were up here? Yeah, yeah, I love this. Uh, and I think that's a great point, too, because we, yeah, I mean, it would be difficult getting somebody from sunny Cali to come to Wisconsin, especially if they're visiting in November, December, January. But for me, uh, the recruitment process was pretty quick. I was I was fairly sold on Wisconsin fast once I took my official visit, which was in, I believe, December of 2008, I think it was. Um, and it was a night game against Ohio State, so it was cold. It was snowy. Um, but once I stepped on the field, once I was up in the stands or what have you, I was like, this is the stage that I've been dreaming of playing on, 80,000 people screaming, a sea of red. I was sold. But it was cold. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, you got here and they had the opportunity to sell you. It yeah. is a little bit harder of there might be some people that write it off uh, before they even have a chance to fully get here because they, they don't want to deal with the cold or they're afraid of it. They think that Wisconsin uh, is cold all the time. And the article I'm referencing uh, was from Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Uh, he's, he did an interview with uh, former uh, personnel director Saeed Khalif. And uh, the other things were interesting was more of because uh, some of the rest of it is more person, you know, could it be how do you want to recruit in Wisconsin? In his mind, it's not the best at like hyping itself up, but I would imagine Midwest schools are probably less uh, braggadocious than the other schools. But the question I, I, I thought was interesting was the size of the recruiting staffs as far as the player personnel side of it mm-hmm. for uh, Wisconsin compared to Michigan State. And then obviously, you didn't play it long ago, but obviously, with, uh, recruitment has changed a lot since that time. He's talking that at Michigan State, including himself, there's uh, upwards of over 10 people on that staff, but at Wisconsin it's less than four or five. And so just with the new ways things are being recruited and the idea that sending out flyers, handling – Wisconsin had a social media recruitment Mm -hmm. social media for a short period of time, and then the coaching staff put a kibosh on it. But a lot of other schools have that side of it. So his concern for Wisconsin as he left was Wisconsin needs to continue to try to put more – 
resources into the recruitment you know, personnel, player personnel side of it, there's more of a staff there now as far as identifying prospects, you know, and hyping those prospects up before the coaches get there exactly. and, and getting more modern in their recruitment. And I was just kind of curious what your thought on that is because it's probably even changed over the last, you know, seven, eight years. Yeah, I think that you can't go wrong with putting as much resources as you can into that department, that being the recruiting department, who, who, you know, whoever it is who's taking that over. Um, because when we have these recruits from Cali, Florida, again, these warm states, you got to go visit. You got to go visit. You got to send the letter, go visit, sit in their home, talk to mom and dad, be there, show them that you really care, show them that they are needed for this program. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in favor for that. I agree. I think that they need to, to, to ramp it up. Why not? Right. And, and it, you know, and obviously there was, I mean, budget with the football and not playing last year is part of it, but because um, the rest of the article to me is more of like stylistic and I can change what Wisconsin yeah. is. But when I was saying that if everyone else is staffed up to 12, up to 12 guys uh, at, at a time and then uh, the Badgers are hanging at four or five, that's just a huge uh, lack in numbers there. So hopefully uh, there's some more funding comes in to be able to add a little bit more to that staff Absolutely. to, to kind of blow that up. Yeah, I'll share a little bit more about you know my process. So Dave Doran is the one who, who recruited me, took off to NC State. Um, Correct, yeah, NC State, yes. Yep. And so yep. he actually sat in my living room first. Then John Settle. Wait, did, did, did he go to Northern Illinois first and then NC State? Was, was it yes, Northern he went first? to Northern Illinois first. Then NC State. Then NC State. Okay. And then um, so he sat in my living room. Then John Settle sat in my living room. Then Coach B, Bielema, sat in my living room. Um, they they most definitely utilized every single resource that they had to, to, to pull me in the direction. But it felt good as a player. I'm like, okay, they, they really want me here. Um, I'm feeling wanted, needed, et cetera, so it was an easy decision for me. We need to do that for every single player. So, uh, Bielema in the Big Ten now <laughs> that you mentioned Coach Bielema. What's your, your, you played for him. Obviously, he meant a lot for Wisconsin. What are your thoughts on him uh, coaching the Illini now? Um, that I was not expecting to see that, but here's the thing. Um, I, I do understand that it was a little turbulent with, with Coach B, um, you know, some fans didn't like him. Some fans did. As players, we enjoyed Coach B. Um, we knew his role. He knew his role. Um, Coach Christ was calling the plays and calling the shots <laughs> yep. on that side of the football. Um, and Coach B just took care of the interviews. We get that. But for him being at Illinois, hopefully he turns the program around because it's only going to look good for the Big Ten. Um, I'm in favor of it. I think he's going to do well. Yeah, and I think, uh, and I'm biased as a Bears fan, but I think Lovey Smith <laughs> laid the, the groundwork of turning that program around where they were. So much, uh, I think it was Tim Beckham was there beforehand, and he had, by all count, I mean, he, I think, got run out because of some practices of, like, not uh, treating the players uh, properly, and so there was some of that, so I think Lovey kind of came in and, and just set a more professional mm-hmm. uh, mindset there. Hardy Nickerson was uh, his uh, defensive coordinator, and I, I, they didn't win enough games that they got to the bowl game first time in a while, so I do think the groundwork could be laid, and look, there's something to be said of, you know, as you kind of talked about with Bielema, of kind of the face of the organization right. and the, the, the motivator or whatever, you know, he's the, there's something to what he brings, mm-hmm. but every coach is different. I mean, Paul seems to be far more X's and O's and in it. And the whole staff is like that. Uh, there, I don't know if there's really a guy <laughs> that has that beat them a role on uh, this Badgers staff, but uh, you know, Barry was a good mix of both mm-hmm. that he, he was that statesman, but he also, I'm sure as he got further away from being a coordinator, had less and less input into that. But, uh, 
by all counts, Barry had input when he was here. Uh, how many times did like Barry come down from, from <laughs> just to look at practice? Forget even the fact that if he coached anything, just like came down and just kind of took it all in. Oh, that's the thing. We we practiced a lot in the actual stadium on the game field, so we would see him a few times, obviously on the sidelines and stuff. But again, we don't know how many times he was watching from upstairs. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think he was pretty involved. I really think so. And. Um, and, and and it helped. It most definitely helped. You know, that's what we want to feel. We want to we want to feel everyone's involvement. We want to feel the care, the need, um, all of the above. And we appreciated when he was on the sun. That we most definitely did. Um, as for Coach B in Illinois, yeah. One thing I will say on that, he's really good at recruiting. And I'm pretty sure to get the position, he rolled out his resume yep. of who he recruited. Yep. And it's pretty extensive. You're on that list. Yeah. So what, what, when Brett, when you first met Brett, what were you? What was uh? Like my first impression of him, uh, it was during recruitment. I obviously went upstairs to his office yeah. night game. Um, it was the day before, obviously the yeah. game, and this guy's in a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> and flip flops, uh, like some golf shorts or what have you. And I'm like, <laughs> I just met everybody else, you know, the yeah, assistants, yeah, yeah, yeah. the water boy, water girl, and they're all dressed up nicely yeah. and stuff. But he's a super casual guy, and uh, that sold me as well too. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's yeah. Again, that part you can't argue with Brad. That he definitely right. had that. It wasn't quite the same as Barry, but he had that presence of like, all right, this guy owns the room. You feel confident that yep. he's running a, a good program here. Exactly. Uh, we'll take a break. We're going to talk to uh, Derek Engler uh, coming up next. He'll talk about his recruitment. We can talk name and likeness <laughs> stuff, and also uh, maybe. He, he didn't play for Brett, but he knew Brett and played for Barry, so he can give some insight uh, into that comp uh, as well. This is. Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive, live from Metro Kia of Madison, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty. Madison's trusted Kia dealer, Jim Rutledge, Monte Ball, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the man. You're listening to Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive on 100.5 ESPN. Brought to you by Carbon World Health, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse in Middleton, and Group Health Cooperative. In a land carved by glaciers. Welcome back to Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive on 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Jim Rutledge alongside former Badger Monte Ball, live from Metro Kia of Madison, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty, and uh, Madison's trusted Kia dealer. Uh, Derek Engler couldn't make it here today, but uh, he is going to join us on the phone now. Derek's got a better excuse than Tarek, but Tarek just misscheduled this, so... That's just I, I'm gonna rip Tarek left and right for that one. But Derek, good to be chatting with you. We got a full uh, drive season in front of us. Yeah, good to be with you guys. Wish I obviously could be out there. And you know, Jim, you know Tarek better than that. After all these years, I mean, you've seen his schedule, you've seen his organization book, so that doesn't surprise us one bit. You know, Monte, I'd rather listen to your stories, which I've been listening a little bit any day of the week. I mean. Tark and I are old now. I mean, our stories have been so regurgitated and twisted around. I mean, they're not even, I mean, it's it's no fun listening to anymore. So I love listening to some new and young, fresh, good stories. Love it. <laughs> well, we'll kind of work backwards here because we were talking about uh, Brett at uh, Illinois. And, you know, Brett's got a specific style. I thought Barry did a good job of mixing these two styles. And probably when you played, he was probably a little bit more of a tactician than a statesman. Uh, Paul seems much more like the mad scientist uh, tactician. And Brett was, seemed a little bit more like the statesman of 
uh, of the guy, like the, the closer of the deal for recruitment and the, the guy who gets the media to love you uh, sort of thing. And, and Barry had some of that, but where do you, you obviously knew Brett, played for Barry. Where do you kind of put those guys in as far as, uh, well, one, seeing Brett down in Illinois, but also comparing those two styles and, and Paul's completely different style? Oh, well, yeah, it's three different animals there. Um, you know, I mean, obviously I, I played for Barry and, you know, know his style. I mean, he's, you know, was a defensive-minded coach coming in here, but, um, you know, grabbed, you know, the bull by the horns and, 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 and turned that entire ship around. So that takes, you know, obviously some unbelievable leadership skills you know, uh, and what it takes to be a head coach and at the same time understand the pulse of your team, who you're working with, the recruitment, what it takes to recruit at the University of Wisconsin, all of that. So, you know, it sets a foundation, right? And and so, you know, and, and Barry did, you know, his recruitment process of getting Brett on the staff and kind of mentoring him to be the next head coach. So there was, you know, Brett's no dummy. And, you know, he learned, the, the, I think the biggest thing, and maybe Monte can comment on this, but I think one of the biggest skill sets that Brett learned from Barry is to listen and absorb different types of, you know, philosophies, coaching philosophies, techniques, so on and so forth. And, and I think, you know, Brett did that a lot. I mean, they went on walks. I mean, that's, everybody has heard of that. That's been well published and, you know, talked every day about that. And I'm sure Brett absorbed a lot of that, has used a lot of that um, in his coaching career. And, and Derek, I want to kind of – and we got Monte's thoughts, but we can kind of reiterate those as well. But the name and likeness, uh, and it sounds like you're listening to the first segment here, let's, there's a lot to kind of dig into. And, you know, Pat Richter has been pretty critical of the NCAA of kind of washing their hands of this from the beginning and kind of creating a position now where – Naming likeness is running like wildfire, and it definitely has its positives, but as Monte pointed out, like where's the wraparound care uh, from the NCAA and then obviously specifically to the Badgers? I thought we could start with that part of it, that whatever positives are here, uh, you have some – I mean, there's tax concerns, there's uh, are you getting ripped off concerns, you know, it, unscrupulous people concerns, investment concerns. There's a lot out there for these kids that if they don't have the right support system, we could go sideways quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, there's no question, and the NC2A is going to do it there, you know, in their typical fashion. They're going to come in a day late and a dollar short, and you know, put in all these regulations. And I don't know, might be two years down, might be five years down the line, what have you, uh, just because you know they want to be, and they still will be, and that's how antiquated the NC2A, as we all know, is. Um, you know, will be, and they will be the, you know, kind of the hardcore regulator, you know, now it's time to take a stand type thing, which, you know, they're so behind the eight ball always have been. I mean, to me, this goes, because I'm all about, you know, I mean, we live in a capitalist society, okay? Everybody demands a market if they can create one, especially for themselves, you know, so I don't think anybody's against that. But there's got to be rules and regs around this, you know, because everybody comes from a different walk of life and economic background. I mean, it, it's a, you know, this is what, like you said, Jim, I mean, this is kind of when the sharks come out of the water. You know, a lot of unscrupulous characters that take advantage of uh, different people that come from different situations. Yeah, see, that's that's exactly what, that's exactly what we were talking about, and that's 
really was my main point is you have no idea the the kind of walks that some of these student athletes uh, are currently on or, or what have you. So it, it's it's economically speaking, how are you, we providing the care for them to make sure Uncle Sam is not on them on their backs? And I mean, there I mean, there's a million different ways so you have to worry about that. But and we talked about the deal side of it as well. But uh, and Derek, obviously each era is different. But um, as far as the locker room here. I mean, there's going to be real concerns. Now, obviously, when you played and when Monte plays, it was more about recognition and maybe there's jealousy about the hype someone gets or the, you know, the, the extra love they get from ESPN and that kind of stuff. But now there's real dollars involved there. So there has to be – I don't know if it's someone on the staff. I don't know if it's someone leadership-wise on the team. But there's going to be concerns about smoothing that out too. You know, what's interesting about that point, Jim, is I kind of tend to think that the locker room, it, it won't be shaken as much as you think. I, I think it's going to be, it will turn into more of a professional atmosphere. You know, think of an NFL locker room. And there, there you know, there's, there's always guys that are thinking about, you know, man, that guy got paid. Are you kidding me? I mean, that, that will happen. And that, it really doesn't, and maybe Monte can comment on this in his experience, but for me, that never really came out. You know, it. A guy always has to be accountable and own it, and go. You know what? I got to go. You know, go cash my check on the field, and maybe something happens on the field. Okay, but that's always on the field, and it stays there. Um, I, I think, you know, if you have a solid team, now if you got a bunch of me, me guys and no leadership, forget about it. Then all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I agree with on that. Yeah, um, it, it will become more professional. Um, obviously, in the NFL, there was no secret of, of my years there who was making the most money on the team, that being Peyton Manning. But no one obviously wasn't jealous about it. It was, hey, play better, get paid better. Um, but it's but just, don't you it's think, good, Monte, it's can I interrupt real quick? Don't you think, though, because yeah, yeah. you're dealing with double the size, too, right? So in, in, a, in a college locker room, you know, you're going to have a, a big majority of guys not getting any type of revenue from NIL. Mm. What's the third string, you know, left guard getting? You know, I mean, so I just, I think that you're going to have guys that just like, you know, back when we played, it was all about recognition or awards and that kind of thing. I mean, now it's actually money. So I understand it, you know, but you're still, you're going to still get a a lot of guys. I mean, it's, you know, it's, there's only so many, I mean, you think about the quarterbacks, the Trevor Lawrence, you know, you go to, to Johnny Football, Johnny Menzel, I mean, you know, what they could, I mean, that's that's very understandable, you know, and I get that. But I think from a really disrupting a locker room, I don't think it's going to have as much an impact as maybe you guys think. And I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm just more curious about it. I, I have, you guys have been in the locker rooms. I have no idea. I just know I'm kind of listing off the the red herrings that people throw out there of why this is bad. And I wanted to get – you guys have been in it right? as far as uh, dealing with it. Uh, Jim Rutledge, Monte Ball, uh, talking with Derek Engler. This is Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive on 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app. And uh, the other thing, Derek, with the Big Ten Alliance here with the Pac-12 and um, the ACC, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what – it seemed like a lot of handshakes and uh, basically I took it away of like, hey, we got to get together and schedule – 
uh, more against each other, but there's no written nothing written down. And it seemed more of like, hey, we're afraid of uh, ESPN and the SEC taking up the viewership. We got to make sure we have good games so we get some money from ESPN as well. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, but, yeah there's no question about that. You know, Monde said it, that's exactly what it is. I mean. You know, as soon as you see Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, I mean, that, oh, my God. I mean, and, and never mind, has anybody talked about, you know, um, Longhorn Network, what that buyout's going to be? Mm, What's the SEC yeah. paying for that? <laughs> that look, you, there's so much money you, in there. Oh, do you know how much money that, that just their own network makes? Yeah. It's well, unbelievable. And that's where- I kind of feel like this should have been done long ago, though. I think it's really good for recruitment. Yeah. Obviously, Wisconsin traveling to Oregon mm-hmm. and playing. Wisconsin traveling to USC to play. I mean, this is we need that exposure. We need that exposure because, to be honest with you, when I was recruited by Wisconsin, I had no idea what was even in Wisconsin. <laughs> I had to Google it multiple times to check out campus. I had no idea there was even water. Um, so, again, and, and I lived in Missouri, only yeah. a couple states yeah. away. I, when I lived in Florida, I talked to people about Wisconsin. They they have a loose idea where it is. Exactly. Like they know people, uh, and this was you know six years, six seven years ago when I lived in, or actually over a decade ago now when I lived in Florida. But still, same idea. Nobody knew where the actual state was. Like, hey, we knew it's up north, but exactly well, what goes on there, any of that, it's a little different. Yeah, Jim. How about our co-host from the East Coast? I mean, the tri-state. Right. I mean, out there, they don't Wisconsin. How is it near Montana? That's got to be right. uh, Dakota. Right. Right, right. Now, look, the Bucks winning helps with state of Wisconsin. Absolutely, uh, they that's put true. The, that's true. That's, that's an true. international sport. I mean, the NBA is like one of the the biggest sports internationally. So, and, and nationally, so people at least knew that part of it here. But uh, Derek, I before yeah, you know, know what, but you know, they say, oh, Milwaukee, it's it's near Chicago, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Millie Walker, Millie Walker. The O line here. Uh, we got to get your thoughts before the season gets rolling here sure. uh, on the O line. I mean, uh, what are your early thoughts, uh, Monte? Feel free to hop in too here. But um, by all reports, I know there's some injuries popping up, but I know that uh, they're excited about the running back position now. Uh, Graham is starting to get his feet underneath them, but I- I'm only going to trust uh, the insight from Engler, not uh, not some reporters on the offensive line there. Well. <laughs> I, you know, having, um, you know, and obviously, you know, played with, with Coach Rudolph, and, you know, and, and um, you know, knowing him for so long, but becoming friends over the years, um, you know, and always staying in touch and knowing who he is as the coach, we all know, you know, what he gets, what, you know, as far as what he demands and what he produces out of his offensive line. And they, we keep rolling them through, right? That's why you see, I don't know if we lead, but we're damn close in the National Football League as far as how many offensive linemen we've produced, you know, especially in recent years. You know, I right. think this is a younger group, but a very talented younger group. Um, I think you have enough leadership in the form of experience because they've all got a lot of snaps. And most importantly, and this is one thing that back in the spring when I was, you know, talking with coach Rudolph he said you know I just love I got I got guys that got to compete because there's so thin of margin between guys within you know 10 guys that's right. that's what you want I mean because you're going to have injuries you're going to you have to overcome that adversity but if you got you can have a guy that can just literally step up in the next position across the board and and not lose maybe gain if you lose a little bit 
of production, but really not a big, not a big spread as far as a margin from production standpoint. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll chime in here real quick on that too. I think it's for me when I when I think about the offensive line. Obviously, I look at the coaching. Obviously, you have Coach Christ. Again, he's the head coach, but this guy knows X's and O's like that's what he dreams about. <laughs> um, he, he's he's an expert at that. Then you got Coach Rudy. So Rudolph was when I was playing the tight ends coach and. Um, Obviously, tight end has to be able to block. Obviously, has to understand exactly what the men next to him are doing um, for that whole entire unit to work in unison. And then you got, obviously, Coach Bostad. He is the linebacker's coach, but he was the offensive line coach when I was there. So when I talk about the offensive line, I look at the coaches. There's no better coaches that you want to be around when you, if you are an offensive lineman. Um, I was very fortunate to have Bob Bostad, um, you know, just getting the offensive line in front of me ready, you know, which was very helpful for my career. <laughs> Well, I know, Derek, you're a big fan of Coach Bostad as well. <laughs> oh, no question. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, here's the deal. is We need the energy and fire of mm-hmm. Bo on the defensive side right now, and Rudy can give it on the offensive side because they're sim- similar in a lot of ways. I mean, offensive line coaches are similar in a lot of ways. First of all, they're all quirky or weird in some way. There's no question. <laughs> but they, they, they are detailed to the nth degree. You know, they demand everything. They want zero recognition. I mean, and it all trickles down to their guys. You know, and, and, and it's all about really that cohesion of one group. You know, everybody taking a step together, knowing the guy inside. I mean, it's just, it it's really takes a, a special skill set to, to, you know, to uh, really produce a good offensive lineman. And I think either one of those guys. I mean, they both got the the resume for it. So, well, Derek, we'll let you get back to uh, the rest of your day. We're going to talk about Monte's book uh, next segment. But we'll, uh, I'm out next week, so after uh, Labor Day, we'll have a, a regular uh, uh, Metro Kia's Thursday night drive here. Had to make sure what show I was. Well, on. yeah, and, and Monte. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, <laughs> What's up, you know, man? in this, you know, obviously this world we live in in a pandemic, you, everybody's got to be very precautious and take the proper protocols and so on and so forth. And, you know, um, I'm actually, I'm very happy that, you know, and I did the right things. If you're kind of exposed or around, you know, like, go get tested, came negative, but, you know, you want to take the necessary precautions. And, and full disclosure, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm saying that because I was watching the local news and I saw you out there in the neighborhood mm-hmm. educating, you know, people on on the vaccination, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. I, I just want to be involved as much as possible in the community. Um, it, it, it helps out my recovery as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought I thought that was great. So, you know what? I'm good to go, though, Relage. I'll be back next week. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I'm excited. Well, you guys will have some. I don't know who's in for me next week. Someone's in for me next week. But, <laughs> so you're uh, out I'll be, next week. So you bust yeah, all the stops. I heard you I'm, in the intro. Yeah, I'm up, okay. I'm up, in, the, I'm up in the Northwoods next week. There you go. Okay, Look, man, well. I, poor planning by me. Not only am I out, I... My oldest daughter's missing three days of school because I thought school started after Labor Day, so it's a disaster. But we'll nice. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. But well, well, that vacation for you, hit. you're not going to be able to stream because Tark and I are going to bring it. Good, good. <laughs> I, I will see. If I'll, I'll I'll listen back on Wisconsin on demand. Uh, hey awesome. Monte, thank you. You guys have a good night. Yes, sir. All right, man. Take care. All right, thanks, Derek. This is Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive on 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand. Turn your back on tomorrow Cause you forgot yesterday I gave you my love to borrow But you just gave it away You can't expect me to be fine I don't expect you to care I 
still hanging out at Metro Kia of Madison, Madison's trusted Kia dealer, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty. This is Metro Kia's Thursday night drive. Uh, Jim Rutledge alongside former Badger Monte Ball. Uh, joined some, uh, looking at some of the awesome cars here they have. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell your ride, I mean, like that's what the car everyone wants. Mike's fighting to keep one here for people to be able to test drive. So <laughs> I don't know when you can get one. But if you want to come down and test drive one, Mike is doing his absolute best uh, to test drive, to keep one around so people can test drive it. But I'm sure if you also wanted to get it, you could get the right offer there. So he's coming out to look at me. Maybe I'm not supposed to tell people that. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, Mike, can I tell people they can come here that you have a Telluride that you're trying to keep on the lot for test driving? That if someone wants to know what a Telluride drives like, that's why they're, That's why Mike's Madison's trusted key dealer because mm-hmm. he's going out of his way. He could sell that in a heartbeat. He says, you know, I want people to be able to test drive it so they actually know how awesome it is. You've seen the Telluride in, like, every NBA uh, game, all those Bucks games. <laughs> you saw the Telluride 10,000 times. So come out here and, and test drive it to kind of see. I, I, there's probably nowhere else in the area you could actually test drive one of these things. So I mean, I'll actually say my sister bought one yeah. um, about five, six months ago. It's nice. Yeah, they it are. It is very nice. The, the accessories on it. It's ridiculous. You got like a microphone. Yeah. You can talk to people outside of your car. Uh, obviously, the, it, it, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful. It's a very beautiful vehicle. It, it is, and <laughs> uh, and it's actually they're they're good price for what you get out of it too. Right. So come find Mike. At least give a test drive, and he can tell you when you can get one. He can actually help you get one. Uh, Monte, I wanted to talk to to you. Uh, obviously, you know your story has been told a few times. Oh yeah, and you've told it as a motivational public speaker. You've told it on our airways, but now. Uh, you got a book out, Nowhere to Run, and uh, let's hear. I want to hear a little bit more uh, about what made you want to write this book. I, I, I've seen firsthand uh, a few people who have set up like this book, uh, similar journeys. You know, they it's inspirational to them, mm-hmm. and uh, even if you haven't had that journey, it's a very good read and interesting read. So, what made you want to get into this and write this? Well, man, uh, honestly, how it came about was throughout therapy, my therapist obviously understood that I was really struggling with, you know, attaching words to, to memories. Um, by attaching words to memories, it allows for your brain to really digest it and move past it. Um, but I was really struggling with that. So what he shared with me is just to write, just to write. Start writing in a journal um, because it, it helps. It helps to just really work through some things that I really didn't even know that I experienced um, growing up. Now, you just tell me, you know, you don't answer. Like, what, what, what was, like, the reason why you were having a hard time putting words to memories? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because, I, as a man, I, I was struggling with talking to another man about my feelings. Yeah. Struggling talking to another man about my mistakes, not yeah. having all the answers, not knowing what to do. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I understood what I needed to do, which was stay in therapy, own my mistakes, be a man, actually become a man. Not, yeah. I thought I was, but I wasn't. Um, so this process was was difficult, but I'm glad that I did do it um, for many reasons, for myself, um, but obviously for my child as well. My son is five. I'm five years sober from alcohol. My son is five. And that is what I want for him to understand that. And everybody else is going to pick up the book as well, that it doesn't matter if you're a Heisman finalist, it doesn't matter if you you are placed on track to play in the NFL or to be a CEO or or, or a firefighter, what have you. Yeah, addiction does not discriminate. Mental health. If you're not taking care of what's in between your ears, one day it's all gonna just it's 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 going to come to light. 
So I'll ask you a question if you don't want to answer. Just tell me the no, please, I, here. dude. I'm an open, so, yeah. I'm an open book, man. So there is no secrets from me. When you were playing, um, was there a, was there any times when you were playing where you're like, hey, this is this is probably not good. I should at least try to you know get this right, or was it just kind of out of sight? Out of, you didn't even realize there was a problem. That's why I, again, hindsight 2020, I was able to really grasp a lot of things as I was writing like the last sentence of the book. But for me, I almost wish that the red flags popped up for me in college on the field just so that I can know, okay, obviously I'm not taking care of my body. This is why I'm not performing well, but I was performing even better. Um, my junior year when I lost all that weight, at the time I shared because I was running and doing all that stuff, which I was. I was yeah. still doing some extra running, but I wasn't eating as much. I was drinking. Alcohol was my calories, all of my calories. That's how I lost a lot of the weight. Um, but I played better on the football field. It didn't catch up to me, obviously, till I got to Denver. Um, felt isolated, knew that I had a drinking problem, didn't know how to handle it. Obviously, depression, slippery slope, and I spiraled out of control. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's those things probably do tie together with it. Yeah. Was as you write this, because it seems like the red flags were not, they weren't red flags when you were doing when mm -hmm. you were in the middle of it. So looking back on it at Wisconsin, what was your what was your low point? Yeah, at Wisconsin, my low point was 2010 against Ohio State when they were ranked number one. I didn't step on the field at all, not one time. Um, like, not one time. So, uh, so that's my low point for football because yeah. I, was, I was very upset. I drank all heavily after the game. I actually wanted to quit, play linebacker or whatever, um, but I was fortunate enough to have my parents close by, and they told me just to work harder. And then the following week was the Iowa game, and the rest is history, but... Again, there weren't too many red flags for me yeah. in college. Granted, yeah, I got arrested during Mifflin, for, but I got a citation for trespassing. Um, but I just wish that there was more so I could have really taken a step back and self-reflect on maybe what I'm putting in my body is just not for the I, – I can't handle it. Yep. Even though everybody else is doing it, I can't handle it. So we're there, and we're talking to Monte Ball. This is Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. So, I mean, as you dug deeper into this, was this something that you realized after the fact that it was in your family, or is it just something unique to you, or were there factors that you were unaware of initially? Absolutely. Uh, that's the beauty about therapy. You really can learn a lot about yourself and your family. Uh, my paternal lineage, uh, my father's a recovering alcoholic. He's 24 years Recovered. Uh, my grandfather, unfortunately, didn't win his battle. Um, that is why I wanted to write the book to kind of break the chain link because I have a son. Yeah. Uh, nature versus nurture. Is it is it, is it gene uh, predisposition, etc. Um, a lot of it goes into play. A lot of it, and I don't want to shed any negative light on my grandfather, but my grandfather is a war veteran, and um, as all veterans in America. Um, the care is not where it needs to be for them, and so he struggled, and alcohol was what he self-medicated with, and he babysat us growing up. Okay. Yeah. Now, did your your dad, did he at some point notice red flags that you didn't notice? Did he, would yes. he approach you during this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, open book, man. That's, uh, I have such a wonderful relationship with my father now, but, I, but it was a little turbulent for a while because when I finally realized that I had a drinking problem, I didn't want to listen to my dad. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh. how are you going to... Fathers and sons. Yeah. Like, whatever it is, I, I get it. Like, I get it. Yeah. Uh, I, I joke all the time. I got two girls. People be like, oh, I feel bad. But I'm like, I'm glad I have two girls. I don't have the father-son dynamic. I, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that. yeah. Again, we have a great relationship now. But, you know, I was a hard-headed kid. I was immature. I was like, how are... You can't tell me. Like, right. 
I haven't been in trouble. I'm successful. Yeah, I'm, I'm successful. So for me, when I got drafted by the Denver Broncos, because granted, my parents had been together since they'd been 15. My mother literally went side by side with my father through his woes with alcoholism. When I got drafted by my favorite team, it was almost like, see, mom and dad, nothing's wrong with me. Right. Well, fast forward two years later, Denver's getting rid of me, and I'm completely just not myself. And so that obviously, um, did that take it darker, worse, more? I mean, like, I mean, you talked about before with, uh, you know, after not playing Ohio State, right. you, you had dark moments. So, uh, like, I don't, like, so how much, what happened then? Yeah, 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 yeah. So from my sophomore year, obviously after Ohio State, I scored the winning touchdown next game against Iowa at yeah. Iowa, and then I become the starter. Um, but with that came more pressures. I felt a little bit more nervous going to class, uh, raising my hand to ask a question, all of the above. It was it was a little difficult for me to be myself. I felt really like I was in a fishbowl, yeah. um, not knowing how to manage attention yeah. um, at, at a very great scale, a grand scale in a sense. And so for me, I, my drinking escalated. It most definitely did. Obviously, we started winning more games. The party years were bigger. Um, more temptations were there. Right. Um, and then you know, the Heisman season, then my senior year. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, the drinking culture on college campuses, period, across America, right. prevalent. So you mentioned before that uh, maybe depression was part of this. Was yes. there anxiety part of it too? Then? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's weird how they both go hand in hand. Uh, obviously, case by case is, is different. But for me, um, social anxiety is a yeah. big one for me. And it's weird to even think that when I was talking to my therapist and they diagnosed me with it, and I'm just like, how? I'm like, I've yeah. done interviews <laughs> my yeah. whole life since high school, football, and but I struggle with really being myself in public. Um, I did, I did, um, and obviously having fans, uh, you know, asking me for autographs, pictures, photos, etc., talking about football all the time. I, I kind of dove headfirst. Well, not kind of. I did dive headfirst into alcohol, and it kind of took a little bit of my passion away from the game. Was it hard, or have you uh, different incidents that have happened under the influence? That have you forgiven yourself for? Have you seeking forgiveness for those things? Uh, it's taken me a long time. Um, I would actually say I'm finally <coughs> forgiving myself, and this is five years. Yeah. Um, and I'm being 100% honest here. It has taken me a very long time. Therapy, I'm still in. So at the beginning, it was about three times a week. Now I'm about once a month um, with the same guy. Um, but it's taken me a very long time, and I would say this is my first year where I've actually fully forgiven myself um, because that's a tough pill to swallow, obviously, for people who are close to me, uh, but obviously for myself. Uh, you know, how do I go from a smiley kid, happy-go-lucky kid, which is what, what I was projecting on yeah. camera. Obviously, I wasn't showing what I was doing behind closed doors, but how do I go from that to obviously a very heinous act? Um, but long story short, man, I made sure to take the – Take the right steps for myself, for the ones around me who are supporting me, because I don't want to let them down again. Fans, uh, I, I'm very fortunate to still have Wisconsin fans in my corner. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been out here. At, uh, we're all in your corner. We've been out here. Here, <laughs> oh, though, yeah. people oh, yeah. come come out as well. And so uh, what, what got you? Because you mentioned it was hard for you to talk to um, – Another man about, yeah. uh, you know, what you're going through. Uh, different cultures have different issues about seeking therapy as well. So, Absolutely. like, what was it 
that got you to go see someone to start the healing process? I'm glad you actually brought that up. So that's a lot about what I talk about now is, uh, you know, uh, I'm really wanting for our black and brown communities to not make it so taboo to speak about mental health and to go seek it when needed. Um, so for me, obviously being an African-American um, from the St. Louis area, same thing, taboo until my sister studied clinical psychology. Um, she got her master's from Edgewood here, Edgewood College, and she took that route. She's actually a licensed family therapist, but long story short, diagnosing us at the table, pretty much putting it out there in front of us that therapy is a really good thing. So obviously once I spiraled out, I had my sister right there and my mother, of course, and my father and my other sister to help me. And that's great that the support system was there because mm-hmm. it's kind of touched on, I mean, every person is different. Every person might have different yeah. support systems. They might not have that there. So I'm guessing that's part of your motivation of, uh, of being there for people. Um, and you, did, you touched about uh, the African-American community of trying to, to, to reach them as far as therapy is okay. Yep. Uh, Derek Rich referenced it before, so maybe I missed it somewhere. So you're out doing some outreach on the COVID-19 vaccine as well? Yeah, so UW Health contacted me. Um, we really need to get the numbers up um, in our African-American and Latinx population. Um, obviously, that's going to take some time. Um, but what I preach and what I was preaching while I was there is this. I just want to make sure that you have the right information. Because we had doctors there, of course. We had people who had been studying this for 20, 30 years of their life. Get your information from them. Yep. Don't get your information from the Facebook doctors. Then make your well-informed decision. Don't so, make it from the Facebook doctors. So that, yeah, <laughs> right. it's like, we're, all, we're all experts <laughs> on, on COVID and Afghanistan and all of it. Yeah, Exactly. No. So the question would be, following up on that, is, um, and look, it's not just a, a black or white thing. That I know people who have come up, uh, thanks, um, as far as maybe they grew up uh, without access to regular doctor care, insurance, whatever. So right. how much of that is they don't, people don't have a doctor that they know exactly. to trust to go to? So, I mean, is there a conversation about trying to bring someone in uh, from the medical side to build trust. We saw it with the Vikings trying to bring in uh, someone who was an expert in the field. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And and to be honest, man, to be frank here, you and a lot of people would be surprised on, you know, how many African-Americans and Latinos don't have a primary care doctor. Um, it's just that revi- we need to revitalize that connection, that bridge, that trust. Um, between said communities and our healthcare officials, um, so that's really what I preach about now because I've I walked it, literally, yep. with the therapy. Um, I tried a lot of things to help me stay away from alcohol and obviously to stay on my right track. <laughs> We're gonna we'll uh, we'll get back to the football side of it here, but yeah. Definitely recommend the book. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read it, but I know multiple people have had a chance to read it. They love the book, but also I think from a fan's perspective, at least for me. And, and I was uh, covering a team when you were playing, so I talked to you times, sometimes mm-hmm. post games, and uh, it's just so different. Of like, you see, as you talked about, you're out there, you're scoring touchdowns, you're smiling, you're dancing, you do the fun. Uh, you're out the Rose Bowl, yeah. you and, and James, <laughs> and I think that was uh, was that Clay out there as well. The, yeah. For the, yeah, so the yep. three of you guys, uh, or you know, almost all had three 1,000 yard seasons. Like to pull your yards back a little bit. Yeah, but. four yards <laughs> short. Yep. I still have nightmares because yeah. they still remind me Clay and James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course they would. Yeah, uh, so I remember that. But but then to know that behind all of that, mm-hmm. um, it's great that you share that story because it should remind someone that the next smiling face that they see, 
there, you know, there might be something behind it that Absolutely. you should be aware of and recognize. People are always going through something. Absolutely, it's it's the mask of masculinity. Right. Uh, we all understand that. If you don't, I I, I highly recommend you, uh, you know, hit up Google and kind of read up on that stuff. Um, but again, I make sure I make sure in my story to shed light on toxic masculinity because it's not a pity party for me. Right. It's most definitely not. Um, I want to help folks who are struggling with their mental health. And if they're at that point where they're self-medicating with a substance, I really want you to check my book out. If you're a parent and you have a student athlete or you have a child who is an athlete, I really want you to get the book. I like really want you to get the book. Where can we get the book? <laughs> you guys can get it on my website, monteball.com. I have a link on there straight to Amazon. Monteball.com. That's Very an easy easy. way to find it. Yep. <laughs> this is um, Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the man. Lately, I've been, I've been thinking, I want you to be happier, I want you to be happier. When the morning comes, and we see what we've become, in the cold light of day, we're a flame in the wind, not the fire that we begun. Every argument, every word we can't take back, cause with all that has happened, I think now we both know the way that the story ends. There's only for a minute I want to change my mind Cause this just don't feel right to me I want to raise your spirits I want to see you smile No, that means I'll have to leave And the image of you being with someone else Well, it's eating me up inside But we ran our course We pretended we're okay Now if we jump together At least we can swim far away from the wreck we made Then only for a minute I want to change my mind Cause this just don't feel right to me I want to raise your spirits I want to see Test drives are being had here at Metro Kia of Madison. Uh, we, I mentioned they had a Telluride here to test drive, and then one of our teammates took one for a test drive. And look, here's what happens is that once you get into a Telluride, you're in. Like, you can't not want to get it. Uh, so I don't know how long Mike's going to keep it here, but if you are looking to test drive a uh, Telluride, come to Madison's trusted Kia dealer, Metro Kia of Madison. It's hard to get one of these new, but it's even harder to be able to even get one and drive it around. 
Mike's got one here for you to drive around. He's got some stingers. He's got some other cars. So you can still get a car and, and buy it. You, know, you might not be able to buy the one you see, but you can buy one and, and still get what you're looking for at Madison's Trusted Kia dealer. Metro Kia of Madison, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty. Jim Rutledge, former Badger Monte Ball, shared uh, some insight. I, I would imagine hopefully that helps you sell a few more books because your, your story was very fascinating and appreciate the, the insight into it. And I think a lot of important messages uh, coming through that book but also through the interview. The entire show and interview is available uh, with Wisconsin On Demand, anywhere you get podcasts, whether that's uh, on Spotify or iTunes, uh, Stitcher, or you can use Wisconsin On Demand. The show is available there. And our Wisconsin On Demand feed is brought to you by Ruth's Chris of Madison, home of the Horseshoe Bar and uh, Madison's Best Happy Hour. Uh, Lee over there does a great job at Ruth's Chris, and they are the sponsor of our uh, podcast feed of the show so the the entire show with me and monte will be up there uh later tonight and we have a little bit of time here before we get to fat jack but <laughs> before we get to fat jack here uh, i'll give you a, a little bit of time here you are obviously a uh you know legendary badger running back what's uh what have you had kind of had your eye on what are you hearing about yeah. uh this, this crew for the badgers right now yeah honestly i'm, I'm interested you know I, I played running back of course i i yeah, yeah. you play like for, play running back yeah for that position you know so <laughs> yeah. my eyeballs are obviously yeah. glued to information any sort of yeah just just give me something from the running back room but i'm, I'm really really excited about gary brown I am. I mean, this guy came from obviously Dallas. His his resume speaks for itself. He had the opportunity of coaching Darren McFadden, um, Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, excuse me, and um, even Murray, Demarco Murray, yeah. as well. So I mean, he's coached some really really good running backs. He understands obviously the scheme. He understands obviously him coordinating with Coach Rudolph with the run game coordination, all of the above. And I love his enthusiasm. He seems to Twitter. really have embraced the program. I, yes. I think I believe I follow him on social. Yeah, uh, he puts a lot of stuff out there. He's he reached does. out to you and mm-hmm. Melvin and James, and uh, he seems to really be embracing the culture yeah. for Wisconsin. You know, he understands obviously those are some big shoes to fill with Coach Settle leaving. Um, Coach Settle was my running backs coach yeah. my freshman and sophomore year. Then obviously Thomas Hammock, Thomas Hammock came into play. Um, but some big shoes to fill. Obviously, Wisconsin football, we, we established a run game. That's what we do. Um, so he knows that he has to get those guys right. So, I mean, is there anyone that uh, you're excited about back there? Jalen. Yeah. I am. I am. Yeah. Jalen Jalen showed some really good um, flashes, I want to say, uh, the previous year. And, and I think that obviously he understands what he needs to what he what he needs to do. Again, he's a red shirt freshman, right? Yep. I believe so. It's hard now with the COVID. Yeah, so. that's what, exactly. You know, I, I don't really know. Yeah. Because uh, Dane Davis feels like he's played back when you were playing. <laughs> I know that's not the same, but he feels like he's been at Wisconsin forever. COVID really kind of is making this tricky. But, again, I'm really looking forward to him. He understands what he needs to do. Um, but, obviously, the big question mark uh, is, is Mertz. Not question mark as in what he's capable of doing, but he has to obviously perform yeah. at a high level. For and and how high of a level, how quickly can he get there? I exactly. Mean, there's gonna be. They got the Badgers, Notre Dame, Shamrock Series. Jack Cohen, the quarterback. Woo, that'll be interesting. It's that. There's gonna be a lot of media surrounding that, of course, for obvious reasons. Um, obviously, Cohen has circled that, circled this, uh, this game. Yeah, but then you're playing Notre Dame at Soldier Field. You have the. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited, and I and I I I, I need for the Badgers team to. We need to play together. Obviously, we need to win games. Um, you know, I, I want for us to get back to being a feared team. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, we need that edge back. We need it back. We need that that animosity back, that that 
that. We need it, man. We need to put some points up on the board, and I think that this is going to be the year. I really, really believe it. And I, I agree with you. Fans at the stadium would be nice, too. Um, that would. Yeah. That would. And it's kind of, we don't know yet, huh? Yeah, well, right now it's open. You have to wear a mask inside the inside. Uh, yeah, outside. Yeah, good luck with that. The student section. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't yeah. Um I don't know how that's all going to go throughout. But we don't know. I mean, to our earlier say I, I think some LSU and some other colleges are requiring yeah. uh a negative test oh. or proof of vaccine. Uh so that maybe that makes its way to, to Madison at some point. I know some college venues are doing that, a lot of music venues are doing that. Yeah. Um we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. It's really going to be dependent, I would imagine on the numbers, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we're all looking forward to having fans uh, back uh, at the, you know, at Camp Randall, hopefully uh, as many as possible, as safely as possible. Yeah. Uh, and, again, I, I'm, I'm thrilled, man. I really am because, again, we got Pryor back. We got Danny Davis yeah. back, and we obviously got Mertz. We, we, we need somebody to step up at the running back position and, and really take the throne, take the torch. And I, I really feel like this offense could put points on the board. We forgot about Jake, too. Ferguson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, Jake yeah. Ferguson. Uh, you know, Mackey Award, I would yeah. imagine he'll kind of be in a finalist there. So. <laughs> he, he, yeah. he should. He yeah. better. Yeah. 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 And so this team looks like they can put points up on the board. And obviously, Jimmy Leonard's defense has been playing very well. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. The past yeah. couple of years. Very well. Well, the Packers wanted them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, the Badgers are lucky that he wants <laughs> to just be around uh, the Madison area. Good for him. We're going to take a break, get to Fat Jack uh, next segment. This is Metro Kia's Thursday night drive uh, live from Metro Kia. Are you ready for the Thursday night drive? This is Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. With former Badgers Rose Bowl champions Tarek Sala and Derek Engler, here's Jim Rutledge. Sala, they're bummed out that they're missing today's show. Uh, one, because we're at Metro Kia Madison, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty. But two, uh, we have Badger legend Monte Ball here. So that uh, is a good repli- you know, a good fill-in for them. But I-, I think this might have been their favorite segment of last year, so they'll be excited <laughs> to have uh, this going all year. We have Fat Jack on uh, back again. Jack, thanks for uh, hopping on. What's up, guys? Let's make some money. It's football season. Everything's going to Madison. <laughs> Love it. We're good now, Fat Jack. Now that you're on here helping us all make some money, uh, FatJackSports.com uh, is the website. I want you know, Derek and Tark. They had a lot of fun with you last year. Uh, they sent me some games they wanted to see you get your thoughts on. But to, what's you know, we're kicking off the season, so brag a little bit. Tell people how to get a hold of you and tell people how awesome you are. <laughs> I mean, first of all, if I'm just saying how awesome I am, I'm probably lying because there's no such thing as a sports gambler that only wins. So first of all, right. realistic expectations. Don't listen to you know the blowhard douchers from New York. There's some cubicle up there. All right, we're going to be able to make you money over the course of the month, the course of the season. But we, like everybody else, are going to have losing days in there. So have realistic expectations. Like the Wild West in sports gambling right now. Everybody thinks that they can make money. It's, it's really, really a dangerous time. But I've been doing this for 27 years, um, and we've made money 25 of the last 27 years betting on football, betting on basketball. Basically what I do, I, I send my exact games that I'm betting on to the clients, the text or email to them. If you play the same amount on each of those games, you're going to make money over the course of the season most of the time. So not every day, not every game, but over the course of the season. And then every week we're on here. You can say, hey, Jack, how'd you do last week? And if I lost, I'll say, I lost. It was horrible. Everybody yep. hates me right now. 
but we're going to get them next week. So, uh, and because more times than not, that's going to happen. We're going to win. And six out of every seven weeks over the last decade or so, we've won. So uh, go to FatJackSports.com. Get signed up. The price you pay is only determined by how long you sign up. You get the same picks no matter if you sign up for the weekend or the entire season. It's just less expensive if you sign up long term. So we'll get more into that as we go through. But, guys, it's, it's a great time of year. You know, we have week zero games in college football. The preseason's wrapping up. I always tell people, if you're trying to make a ton of money in betting on the preseason, you definitely have a gambling problem. So you might want to check and get that checked out before you call and sign up for my service. So, um, But now that we're on to the week zero games and we're wrapping up these games, I will tell you this, my baseball 13-3 and three over the last 16 plays are really, really strong. I will tell you, we lost earlier today, so we're 0-1 today. But still, 13-3, and three, that's really strong. And I don't charge for that. Pete Rose could make money betting on baseball. It's really <laughs> difficult to make money betting on baseball. So I give that for free whenever you sign up at FatJackSports.com. And, and they've been rewarded with 13 wins and only three losses over the last about nine days. That's impressive, and you know the twenty-seven years stands out to me, uh, and the fact that you're always willing to own your record every single time. <laughs> Those two things uh, uh, make it a pretty reliable source that people trust. That uh, you know what you're talking about. You, you put your money where your mouth is. So uh, the guys there play for the Badgers. He doesn't yes. hear a bunch yeah. of crap coming out of my mouth. The guy, everybody <laughs> that played football in either college or the NFL, they know exactly. What's happening? They all, they all know there's two types of people out there, people that actually can make money betting. There's like 3%. And then everybody else that's on the air screaming and yelling how they can make money. Ex-athletes are the hardest to convince that I'm actually in the 3%. So I lead in with all the stuff that, you know, to, to let everybody know that we're all on the same page. I am, I am fully aware that there are a bunch of sleazes out there in my business. All right, so what uh, I want to ask you, this is Tarek and Derek uh, who are out today, they, they shot me, they wanted to talk about the, obviously, the Ohio State at Minnesota game. They wanted to know what your thoughts on that were and where you're, th- where you're thinking on that. I, we'll take your line, yeah, whatever those, you got for that one. Those two, those two guys absolutely have gambling problems. They're horrible. <laughs> yes, they do. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I remember from um, last year, it was the worst yes, yes. ever. I mean, they just, it's almost like if you can, I forget which one, but one of them, if you just anti him every game. You would have been in business. That would be the best service of the year. I'm going to figure out which one it is and may offer an anti-play of the week uh, and, and get, it, get it going that way. So, that's dark, um, man. Yeah, that's dark for sure. Dark for sure. All right, that, that's exactly who it was. The guy's absolutely I knew worst. it. So, so, I mean, good, uh, great guy. Love, love, I'm sure he's a yeah. fabulous dancer. I don't want to be following him into the casino and betting the same game he's betting. Not something you want to spend a lot of time doing. So, um, Ohio, Ohio State's obviously the class of the Big Ten. So this is not one of the games I'm going to play this week. There's three okay. games, three types of games this week. Teams that you, you are going to wait and see, right, based on you don't have enough information going in. Or you're going to play a team that you know is a lot better than the team they're playing, even though they're given a bunch of points. But if you do that, you better make sure that in their week zero game, they don't have a week one game. That's really, really important. And I'll give you an example. Pitt's playing UMass. UMass is a horrible, horrible team. I'm not going to talk about Ohio State because I'm not going to play Ohio State this week. So yeah. I would tell you Ohio State's definitely the class, the class of the Big Ten. Minnesota's obviously a good, good opponent, but that's not a game I'm going to touch. I'm going to play the team that I know, I think I know what they're going to do in week zero based on what they're going to do in week one. So UMass is horrible. They're getting 38 points. Pitt is not the, not the type of team. It shows up and shows everything. They do not play well against SCS opponents. 
Um, other than last year's Austin P win, they do not typically show up and cover big numbers. They give they they find themselves in this type of game a lot where they're giving 35, 38 points. And I, I fully suspect they'll be up 21 to nothing at the end of the first. But it's one of those that backdoor will be kicked off the entire time. And and I, I actually I really like UMass to walk through it. You look back just a few years, Youngstown, they only beat them 28 to 21 as a 13-point favorite. And two years ago, Delaware, these are all FDS teams, 30-point favorite, the only one 17 to 14. So this is – and they, the reason is, the reason they're closer than they should be is because Pitt has Tennessee next week. And so this is not – they want to they want to go out and show a lot of what – or excuse me, week two. But they don't want to go and show a lot of what they're doing because they, they've got big opponents on the horizon that are kind of statement-type games. So Pitt and – uh, Tennessee both, especially with Josh Heupel down there, that's going to be a huge, huge game for both of them. So I suspect them to be a little more conservative. Compare that to a team like UCLA that's hosting Hawaii. All right, Hawaii, you think you know who Hawaii is normally, the great offense, not that good a defense, scoring a bunch of points. That's not the Hawaii that we've seen the last couple of years. They have not recruited well. They underachieve offensively overall, especially when they play good teams. And so even though, and I'll tell you, this game was scheduled by – Chip Kelly, because he has struggled in season openers, playing marquee games in week one. So he scheduled it. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully he comes back here. I'll jump in. I love exactly what he's talking about. This man knows what he – he knows his football. My goodness, he knows his football. And for someone who's not – really that much into the gambling world and stuff like that. Listening to his intensity, it's most definitely uh, most definitely something that I'm looking at <laughs> getting interested in. Yeah, uh, and, and I agree, and uh, I wanted to just make sure there. Marissa saw us looking at the, yeah. the equipment here. <laughs> we lost Fat Jack. I wanted to make sure that was on, on, on Jack's end, not our end of it here. So Alex can try to, to get uh, Fat Jack back here quickly. Alex, if you can, we'll kind of talk about that on the air to at least be able to touch base on his philosophy for yeah. uh, betting in the, in the NFL, especially week one. Uh, he's got some good insight into more of like how and why. Uh, he bets how he bets there. Uh, it's Because kind of like we talked about with college football, that the early in the year, you don't know who everyone is. No. Uh, but that's where he stood out is talking about, hey, this team is not going to really ramp it up until later in the year. Uh, so even if they are playing a terrible so – for an example here, the way I looked at it is like you guys with Brett. Brett liked to run the score. Yep. And so uh, he liked the big numbers. It was during an era more also when you needed those big numbers at times. And also he liked to stick it to uh, Minnesota or some other teams there. I'll never forget <laughs> Nate Tice. Uh, oh, Tice. His touchdown, uh, it might have taken 25 minutes for him to get to the end zone. I can't find it on YouTube because I'm really bummed out because it's one of the slowest – uh, most awkward touchdowns I've ever seen a human being score. Over top uh, of Peyton? Yeah, yeah. What, Peyton, what's it? Uh, Peyton, Peyton's a little odd, too, running in a touchdown. We were in Dallas, yeah. and he fakes it to the running back and, and kind of obviously does the naked boot and just runs it in easily. It was And it was only about six yards, and it was super awkward. Yeah, he's got kind of like a gallop to him, Peyton, <laughs> yeah. like watching him play. It is, Tice, it, Peyton's though. so tall. Uh, right, is he kind of a tall guy, or is he just yes, lanky? He's 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 tall. Okay, because yeah, he tall looks guy. tall, like and like kind of just all limbs when you. His forehead, forehead goes yes, about yes. three inches right. There he's got a good sense of humor about his he forehead. Does, he I does. saw. He does. I forgot who it was. I think it was Pete Davidson or someone did a roast him, and it was <laughs> yeah, all on yeah, yeah. Peyton Manning's uh, love, forehead here. But we got Fat Jack back. Thankfully, I, I, we we <laughs> lost him there for a second. Uh, Monte was just telling me he's 
impressed with your knowledge, yeah. but also we were talking about, you mentioned before, like college football taking into account uh, who the teams are and, you know, how they perform early in the year and that kind of stuff. And I was saying back when yeah. Monte played with uh, and Brett Bielema was his coach, the Badgers like to run up the score on teams. They like to score points. They like the big numbers. And that's probably something you took into account back in the day. Yeah, it's momentum. I mean, some, some of these teams mm. need momentum, especially when you have offensive teams that, that – struggle once they get into the meat of their schedule sometimes. So early in the season, they need to extend the field. They need to get receivers into their second uh, second level and really put the clamp down on defense to get that momentum going the right way. So uh, Bielema was the king of that. Now, how, how it fares for him in this new program, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, he definitely – there's certain coaches that care about covering numbers and other ones that don't. So And yes. so trying to figure that out is absolutely part of the game. I was saying about Chip Kelly, though, they offensively, especially the line of scrimmage, they're going to dominate Hawaii up front. There's much, much better athletes with UCLA. So they're not going to have to show a ton in this first game and still be able to control time of possession, stay out of the chains, and move the ball and, and most likely get it in the end zone. So that's why that number is so high against the Hawaii team that people feel like the back door is always open. Is the fact they're underachieving lately and the fact that offensively uh, this should be a line of scrimmage domination by the Bruins. Mm. I love that. I love, I love what you stated as well about – you know, pretty much what you can gain from running up the score. Um, you know, most people don't understand why some coaches do do that. Um, there's a lot that goes behind it. Also, y- you want for your second and third string players to get some get some clock, get some time, because once you start getting into the meat of the schedule, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna need every single player. You're gonna need every single player, especially if we're doing 40, 50 carries a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Wisconsin, it's twofold, right? And some of these programs, they, they it's two reasons. They want to get momentum, especially offensively. And the other thing is they don't want to have to listen to a bunch of drunk donors the next time they go out to some fundraiser tell them how they should have won by 40 because they're given 38 and the guy lost money because he's played a five-team parlay down at the local casino. So, I mean, it's a couple of different things at play there. But nevertheless, there are some coaches that do care about that. They know the number. They know where yeah. the money is. And they want, to, they want to help their backers when they can. And you can do that with backups. As you guys know, you're right. You don't have to leave the starters in the whole time. Play the backups when you're dominating a team. Just open up the playbook a little bit more than you might if you were just trying to take the air out of the ball and run the clock out. Absolutely. And before we uh, – I want to talk just your general philosophy. You kind of talked about for college football, especially early in the season. What about early in the season for the NFL? What are you, try, what are you trying to watch for those first few weeks to figure out what games you well, want to play? I'll tell you, the first thing you have to, have to understand the NFL is that almost nobody – I'm one of the very few people. There's like 1.5% of people that can beat the NFL betting on games long term. It's really hard because there's so much parity in the league. The numbers are so tight. It comes down to turnovers a lot. And so you have to be able to find the value in those lines. It's not about Team A versus Team B. It's about finding the value. Now, I'll tell you, Packers fans think that they're Kenny Rogers every year because Aaron Rodgers goes up cover score the first five every single year. And they're like, I never get busier for people in Wisconsin than about the first week of October when, when Rodgers finally doesn't cover two in a row. They're like, oh, wait a minute. It's not that easy. I was bet on Green Bay and go get drunk and watch the game. So, but the reality is the NFL – is you have to be able to find spots early. And I'll give you a really good one this year. I've been watching to see who was going to win the um, the head coaching, uh, excuse me, the quarterback job at Denver. All right? Let's go. Teddy, Bridge, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater is one of those kids that he is money in certain spots or has been over his career. Did you guys know he is 19-2 and two against the spread when he is an underdog Whoa. on the road? When he goes on the road as an underdog, he, he's 19-2. and two. I mean, the guy he outperforms the market almost every single time. I mean, and that's not going to continue at that rate. 
But I told I, I seem to have a bunch of friends that are Bronco fans, which probably says something about my personality because they're always <laughs> upset about something. I probably should totally get new friends because they're mad about well, it. Well, Monte's a former pa- uh, Bronco here, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I grew well, they, up. They, I, I'm sorry. Good. I said I grew up yeah, a Broncos just, fan, so that that's my team, man. And you played for them. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I was excited to see them name Teddy as a starter over Drew Locke because I was like, I think, I think there's going to be some good in that as well to put a fire under Drew as well. Uh, to, to yeah, you know, and Drew, Drew, we kind of knew what we were getting, right? I mean, we had seen yeah. a lot of him last year. By the way, there was an OU guy. He has kids that play Little League with some of my friends that end up playing for uh, the Broncos for a couple years. A tight end, what's his name? Well, he's probably about your age. He's, I don't know. Anyway, um, see, yeah, they – Drew Locke, I think we knew what we were getting. Bridgewater is one of those guys. He seems to have been underestimated at every stop. I mean, he's a backup. He's fighting for a job. But the reality is there are certain spots where he outperforms the market. They're going to turn the ball over less this year. They almost have to. And they have a lot of other pieces in play. I mean, but this Broncos team was not great. Um, They were actually last in the league in turnover differential. And that's the first place you look when is a team going to get better because teams regress to the mean both ways. So expect the Tennessee Titans to come back to the pack. They won turnover differential last year, um, and their quarterback is not a ball-stingy, make-only-good-decisions type player. He had a good year. They run the ball first, and they got Mm -hmm. more than their share of 50-50 fumbles. All right, So they're going to come back to the pack. But on the other end of that, the Denver Broncos, worst in the league, minus 16 in turbo, turnover differential. They're going to get better play out of Bridgewater. And when he goes on the road as an underdog, he's money. So, I, listen, they go to the Giants first and Jacksonville second. How are we doing? Now, they may be a favorite against Jacksonville, but I think they're probably going to be an underdog against the Giants. So, uh, we'll see how the other lines roll out when it gets closer. But both of those games, I expect Denver to go in and win both of those. I really do. Mm. And this is a team, that they're down to 8.5 on their win total. So I look over that, but I, I, you're not going to be able to bet them every week, but you're definitely going to be able to take advantage of some spots because uh, this is a team that, that just got it done, uh, that hasn't been getting it done against the number, but I think they've made uh, some wholesale changes in some really good uh, good positions to take them to that next level. So I like them at quarterback a lot more now. I, love- oh, I think we lost them again. Yeah, no, I'm just hearing myself. I think we lost Fat Jack again. Uh, Alex, go ahead and call him back. Thank you for his time. We'll have him on again next week. This is Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive, live from Madison's trusted Kia dealer, Metro Kia Madison. 100.5 ESPN, ESPN up, and Wisconsin, the man. Welcome back to Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive, live from Madison's trusted Kia dealer, Metro Kia of Madison. Jim Rutledge alongside former Badger Monte Ball. Tark and Derek out. I'll be out next week. We'll get a normal show rolling here after the football season gets rolling, but we're excited to have Monte Ball part of the team. Why don't you talk a little bit about what else you're doing here with ESPN Madison because uh, we got a, you know exciting access to you for a while now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the goal, obviously, moving forward, which I'm – I'm very excited about is do some pregame postgame talk, man. Obviously, dive deep into some Badger football um, before their matchup, and then obviously after the matchup, and to see how how they matched up. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, I might have to hop on one of these to full circle because back in the day when you and Russ were playing, I was doing the postgame. I was like, I would leave 
I would go to the Badger game, yeah. uh, and then I would interview you guys, and then I'd walk back to our studio. We were on Regent Street, and I remember having a conversation about some of the big games, and we were having a discussion. Is it Monte? Is it Russ? Oh. Who's the Heisman Trophy candidate? I mean, and all those, and that was all part of it. And so um, it is uh, kind of fun to kind of have you be a part of that, and you'll have some good insight, and yeah. uh, you'll be able to kind of – uh, nice thing here is doing it in Madison. You don't have to hide your passion and, and your fandom. Like exactly. you, you want the team to win, and you, you don't have to be impartial. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to be the biggest Badger fan ever. Whoever, whoever out there thinks that they're the biggest Badger fan, uh, <laughs> c- come see me this season, and, and, and we're, we're going to make sure to settle that. Uh, I'm going to have all red on my face, all the above, but I kind of wanted to t- jump dive a little bit deeper into that Russell stuff. So I was with yeah. Russ about six, seven weeks ago, him and Sierra. We went to a uh, Bucks game. Look at this guy. Just a little and, humble brag here. Just hanging well, out with well, Russ and well, Sierra. Let me, let, me, let me say this. It was because the You even end. got Marissa's attention. She it doesn't was, even like sports. She's like, it oh, was, he's hanging out with Sierra. <laughs> let it was, me perk up. It was actually funny because I was like, hey, Russ, how you doing? Anyways, <laughs> this is Sierra. <laughs> uh, anyways, right, yeah, right. Um, it was with the athletic program, of course. <laughs> yeah. he, he's trying to do some things with, obviously, UW. But long story short, I still give him crap to this day about taking votes from me <laughs> for the eyes because we were splitting votes and and all and all that but uh he obviously laughs about it still and we we have a good relationship well so obviously you we played a little bit with peyton but not at the yeah. peak so right. hard for you to really judge who's the best quarterback you've played with. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it would have to be peyton um taking nothing away from russell russell's still has time there, there's nothing to take away when you're saying it, it's like it's like the jordan lebron thing of exactly. like all right, LeBron is still great, even if I maintain that Jordan's the greatest of all time. It right. doesn't, doesn't mean LeBron's – calling someone a second greatest is not an insult. Exactly, exactly. So, obviously, Peyton, man, uh, he's called the share for a reason. The way that he would dissect defenses pre-snap um, is something that I have never experienced, even really knew about until I was actually in the situation. Obviously, we heard about it, but once you're in it, when you're looking up at the play clock and there's six seconds left to go and he's still making adjustments <laughs> – he, he's he's really good, man. He's a magician. He really was. He, yeah, really and, and was. that's what, uh, you know, the great uh, – Matt LaFleur said this about Aaron Rodgers, where Aaron Rodgers is – and he yeah. had to get used to it. Uh, he was making – Aaron makes changes five seconds going to play clock, right. and Matt was freaking out and then exactly. realizing that it's, it's okay, it still will work out. But, I mean, that's what takes a good quarterback to great. Um, yeah. Even when we talk about the Packers and, uh, you know, Packer fans see some nice throws from Jordan Love, it's like, okay, but – Mitch Trubisky just balled out in the preseason, and he did that many times for the Bears. Like, the preseason – talk about a defense that you see uh, yeah. in the preseason. Uh, I forgot what uh, – one coach called it. Basically, it's just like – it's a shell – they even call it shells. That's it's just more like a shadow is. defense. You're just kind of going out there, and it's defense one-on-one. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people tend to forget that. I think when fans watch, they just say, oh, they're not playing their starters. Well, yeah, that's, 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 that's a little bit of it. But the other side of it is this defense is not going to show any of their schemes. They're right. not. It's just going to be a shell, which is you're just going to have the two safeties up top and obviously corners bailing, maybe man-to-man, maybe cover two-man, very basic stuff that they're going to show you, which is very easy to decipher pre-snap as a quarterback. Yep, and they're not going to scheme against you. They're exactly. not going to try to trick you. I nope. mean, uh, what, they're, what teams will do – what they try to do against Aaron Rodgers doesn't work. They, they'll show one coverage and flip it right. uh, as the play is happening. And the difference is, and this is what we just don't know about Jordan Love, is that you're not going to know what he is as a quarterback until he's getting regular season snaps. But, you know, obviously first up, he needs to be respectable in the preseason as far as making some throws. But then the next step is in an actual game, you got to see him, someone scheming against him, exactly. trying to stop it, what happens then. 
And and look, uh, you know, Pat Richter kind of talked about it. Homer from one of our shows. They said that like, look, if the Packers, I mean, the brutal truth is, if Aaron Rodgers went down four games, Love's really not ready to no. to do this to play and step in. No, um, and especially to fill some shoes like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's be honest. So my brother-in-law is a die-hard Packers fan, and we always just go back and forth, greatest ever. Um, obviously, Rodgers is up there, his numbers, yeah. what he's capable of doing, and also his impact on the team. That's very, very important. It would be very challenging for Love to step in and really take this team to the NFC Championship. Right. Uh, I right. mean, let's be honest, that's most likely not going to be the case. So Rodgers needs to stay healthy. Glad to see that he's back, though. Yeah, and, and Packer fans, are, and this is the nice thing the Packer fans have luxury-wise, is that the team is loaded. We're talking about right. the backup quarterback because the starter is not a concern. No. Uh, I mean, the starters for most of the positions are not a concern. They have, uh, obviously, great wide receiver, Devonta Adams, Adams yeah. Tanya and tight end. Uh, it looks like um, you know the the other court, the wide receivers are St. Brown is getting better, uh, MVS is getting better. Like yep. there's a MVS, I meant not St. Brown, but MVS is getting better, and uh, the running backs, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and even Kylan Hill, uh, the third string guy, is making a few plays. Not a third stringer in preseason again. Hard to really feel right. what they're going to do, but he looks like he's a guy that can help out on special teams, kick and punt returns, and maybe be a little bit of a, a different factor. Absolutely, yeah. And, and when I think about when I think about Aaron Rodgers, it's like when I think about MVS. When I think about these receivers, it's like, okay, do you think MVS would be as good as he is now on a different team? Right. Or do you give is, – is, is that because of Aaron Rodgers putting his players, putting his teammates in the best possible situations to make a play? Um, and I think that he does bring that to the table, not just his play, but his leadership as well. So I'm, I'm not even a fan of the Packers. I'm glad to see that he's back because I love watching good football. Well, well, yeah, yeah, same, and uh, on both parts. We'll yeah. talk a little bit more on the other side, but before we go, who's the, who's the worst quarterback you played with? <laughs> the worst quarterback. You play, there was some, so obviously we're not talking high school. Here. Right, 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 college to pro here. Uh, uh, the worst quarterback I played with was when Danny O'Brien was here. Yeah, I for, remember Danny O'Brien. Yeah, that was... That was that was that was bad. <laughs> that was. That they was thought they were going to catch a lightning in the bottle again with Russ. That was bad, and then we all understand how that unfolded. But it, it was just not a good. Was match. that because that year that was the Joel Stave came in, mm-hmm. like, but then they went to Daniel Bryan. It was it was like the Broncos, you know. It's just a carousel at the quarterback position. They I want to follow up some of the stuff. Whatever was going on in that game. <laughs> Because now I remember, because we were joking that, like, Danny O'Brien was like, and Brett was trying to sell it. It's like, Danny's the closer. We're like, what are you talking about? Because he fumbled the snap. I think that was at Nebraska. It was a, it was brutal. Yeah. It was uh, just brutal. And he had so much arrogance to him, which there's nothing wrong. There's a fine line between yep. cockiness and arrogance. I think as a quarterback, you have to have some form, some sort of arrogance to you. Yeah. Like, okay, you're going to show me that defense, I'm going to destroy it. You're right. He came with that, but was met with something he was not familiar with, which is Smash Mouth football. Right. This is Big Ten football. They're coming at you. And they're going to say, beat us, beat us in the air. Good luck. Uh, this is <laughs> a Metro Kia's Thursday Night Live, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the man. We were talking in the break as we we're having some great pizza from Pizza Pit, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out here at, uh, with our feet up here at, at uh, Metro Kia Madison, Madison's trusted Kia dealer. And, um, uh, this is Thursday Night Drive, presented by Metro Key of Madison. But we were talking during the break here. Obviously, you uh, lots of success on the football field. But like, like I was telling you, you should reach out to, we are kind of talking that uh, Nestor Rodriguez, good friend of, of mine, good friend of the station at Carbon World Health. I've been doing a six-week experience out there. My <laughs> wife did it as well. 
Um, it's great, not even just for like the. Like I would, I would just want to know like what you would do. I feel like you would quickly like <laughs> be like just dominate because they have like little. I feel like people are gonna get mad, mad over there if you start working out there because they have like the weekly like the challenges, and I feel like. You would quickly turn like Are once, you yeah. Once like that. once you got your groove going, uh, especially like Tark works out there once in a while too, and like, but I, I've, you know, Tark's you know much older than uh, he's even older than I am, but he's much older than you. Right. Uh, so <laughs> you'd have a good advantage there. But it's been a place where a lot of athletes have worked out. They got yeah. the the cryo, uh, they got you know, vitamin injections, kind of a mix of hormone optimization and uh, diet and, and working out. Even old guys like me. Uh, they they help me with my I played too much basketball, <laughs> so they help me with my knee. Where I'm like, you gotta show me something else. I can't do I can't isolate my left knee. I can do other things, but and so they come up with modified drills and it's it's great. Uh, but quick, I mean, I dropped ten pounds quickly there, and now uh, it's nice to kind of then you you can monitor yourself weekly and see your muscle mass and all that kind of stuff there. It's fantastic to be able to I feel like a guy who has like some peak level uh, yeah. sort of fitness there. Those that sort of analytics probably super interesting. That's awesome, actually. I had no idea that they provided you with analytics because that's obviously a different side to it as opposed to just going to the Y and working out. Um, that is something I'm very interested in, especially if the the challenges are posted. Yes, uh, yes. The competitive side would come out and. I would probably make myself sick in there, just trying to beat every record. Yeah, well, uh, I, I'm not even trying to beat records, but there's times where I'm definitely pushing myself to those sort of those I, sort of levels there. I need it though, man. This yeah. this this weight that I put on last year, man, is was there was a lot of eating going on last year. Man. Yeah, we all know that. Um, well. We'll talk to Nestor. Maybe get some fun little social media challenges worked yeah. in there as well. This has been Metro Kia's Thursday Night Drive, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand.